I'm your host, Paul Hansford, and this week I'm joined by publisher Andy Jackson. Hello. Deputy editor Trevor Trahani. Hello, Trahan, yep. <laughs> and Fox Sports presenter and special guest Simon Hill. How are you guys? Finally a professional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel a little bit intimidated that someone actually knows what they're doing on the podcast. I've, what, Jacko? <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got... Yeah, anyway, I won't say that <laughs> Like a couple of peanuts, I'm so scared to sit next to such esteemed company. But um, on to the football, and we're going to have a look back at round five of the A-League. First up, Adelaide United against Central Coast, featuring one of the misses not only of the season, but quite possibly the, the new millennium. Travis Dodd, do you miss that one? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a shocker. I think it goes back to, uh, if, you, if uh, all the listeners will remember, Ronnie Rosenthal for Liverpool. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was a Villa Park. Remember, well, I was in front of the hole. I was there. <laughs> uh, he missed an absolute sitter. And I think, if anything, this one from Travis Dodd was worse. I mean, he was, what, two metres out? Uh, and he just didn't get the right contact. But, you know, stuff happens. And uh, I felt a bit sorry for Travis because he's only just back from injury and uh, maybe he wasn't quite on his game. I think the Rosenthal one was a bit different because he had actually rounded the keeper and steadied himself and there was no one there <laughs> yeah. and he just hit the bar from about three yards and it just it was amazing I've quite, never seen a miss like quite it quite possibly the only miss that was worse on the weekend was our own Mike Hemingway in the Australia against England football match that we passed <laughs> cherry in. game it was awful yeah, header from a yard out straight over the bar he, he likes to say it was behind him in quotes but you, you've got to start calling him Travis now then. yeah I think that's or Ronnie Travis so, uh, Hemingway big, big shout out to Mike but back to the Adelaide Central Coast game good, good strike from Casio proved the difference, didn't it? Yeah, it was a couple of good, uh, couple of good free kicks at the weekend. But uh, yeah, it's worthy of winning the game. Adelaide are pretty tough at home, I think. I think they've uh, there's be many teams go there and win win easily. So um, yeah, the Mariners didn't really have an awful lot for me. The Mariners, well, I thought, were really disappointed on uh, on Friday nights. And I think Laurie, you know, Laurie's always honest in the, the post match press conference, and he, he said that they really missed Michael McGlinchey. He was away on international duty, and uh, they just didn't create anything. They were a lot better in the second half. Uh, they stopped Adelaide playing, which you know the Mariners are, are, are quite good at doing. But the problem is is that, in my opinion, they haven't got enough creativity in midfield. Nicky Travis gave them a little bit in the first half. Um, but after the break, once they tried to you know, squeeze the midfield and, and particularly take Paul Reid out of the game, um, th- they just didn't have that player, that one player that could open up the defence. Uh, and I don't know about you, but Matt Simon is still not right for me. I don't know whether it's his knee injury. No, but he's fit, not been the same player this season. And Merger as well still mm. looks like a player coming back after a long time out which he is you know so I think up front I think they're, they're struggling you know and, and they don't the, the only thing is when you see a team go out with a view to containing like that and they don't really have a plan B it's not going to make for many exciting games unless they ship a couple early and have to go for it. But yeah, and especially as you know, Adelaide aren't in the best of form at the moment. I mean, it was all about the result, I think, for the Reds on Friday because they'd, they'd not won their previous two at home, and I think they had the second best home record in the league last year behind Melbourne. So they just desperately needed to get the points, and uh, you know, I don't think Viddy will care too much that it wasn't particularly pretty in the second half. He just wanted the the victory. I think Adelaide are kind of the the Arsenal of 1990 of the A-League, aren't they? <laughs> they try and grind out those 1-0 results. I mean, it's their second 1-0 of the season. I mean, of their 12 victories last season, five of them were 1-0s. See Trev's raised his game with, with we'll, the Steve we'll Company. Simon, we'll hear Simon say that one on air on the weekend. <laughs> you will. So, yeah. You think I'm joking. <laughs> um, good. To, well, any any stats for the next one? Newcastle against Brisbane Raw. Three, yeah, three nil. Three nil. Three nil. <laughs> <laughs> no, no stats. Six thousand and twenty-six. Six thousand. Good. Good on the twenty-six who uh, bumped it up. Uh, you know, people that attendance early. No, mate. <laughs> 
Brisbane, I think it's Brisbane are doing well, though, aren't they, as a team? They forget, are. The, forget the crowds for a second. Well, uh, they, they need again. They needed that win, and it just it goes to show how close the league is. Is that uh, a couple of weeks ago Brisbane were ninth, and if North Queensland um, hadn't conceded that late penalty at Adelaide, Brisbane would have been bottom that week, mm-hmm. uh, and now I think they're in third place. So that's how tight the competition is again, uh, and they were terrific against Newcastle. And I think the the reintroduction of uh, Reynaldo or Heynaldo, if you want to call him that. <laughs> Uh, we've got to start calling Ronaldinho Honey, I think. Um, you know, I think that was the catalyst. The, the front three, Van Dijk, Enrique and Ronaldo, were terrific. And when you've got Charlie Miller in behind, if those four fire, then you, you know, teams are really going to struggle to contain them. The, the difficulty that Brisbane have had in recent weeks is the loss of Madoka and Mackay in midfield. You know, those two little pocket dynamos who sweep up all the possession and stop the other team. And that's, what, that's been the conundrum for Frank Farina, but it looks as though he, uh, he sold it against Newcastle. Yeah, Charlie Miller probably makes up for the two of them, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased you said that. He, he, could have, he could have one in each pocket, couldn't he? It's a cracking finish, though, from him. Yeah. Great goal. Yeah, just that. It was a great move. It was a good, good cross-field ball and then um, good, good flight ball in, but um, it's great control and, and shoot. So I think, I think he's still got that quality that a lot of, that you don't see from a lot of some of the, the homegrown players. Just that extra little edge of composure in the box that, that makes the difference. So it was a great goal. Jacko, come on, what's your theory on the 6,000 crowd? Well, I'm just disappointed with the, with the crowds at the Lo- moment. You know, although this, this week, I thought, you know, obviously, the, you know, we, over, we got over that sort of 10,000 average mark. But I just think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Brisbane get this weekend. What, what's the solution, though? Wait, you know what? I don't know, but I certainly think pricing is going to be one of them. Um, you know, we've just done something on the website comparing the prices, and you know, Brisbane have put their prices up, and and I just think it's been, it just seems an odd decision when there's more competition coming into their market. You generally that generally doesn't see people put their prices up. If anything, it sees them put their prices down. And all I can see at the moment is Gold Coast coming in as split. Queensland roars old crowds See, down I'm, the middle. I'm not sure that's the case. My, my big query with Brisbane in particular, I think they're the concern. I mean, Newcastle, OK, 6,000 is a poor crowd, but you can sort of understand that because, you know, they had a really poor season last year. They finished bottom. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil at the club. And, of course, the Energy Australia is being redeveloped as well, which I don't think helps, mm. even though it shouldn't be really a factor. But, uh, you know, it's a half sort of finished ground at the moment. But Brisbane, their first game against Gold Coast had nearly 20 thousand and only a small pocket of those maybe I don't know a thousand two thousand were from Gold Coast where have they lost 13,000 fans in the space of five or six weeks that's my conundrum and I'm sure the ticket prices must have been the same for that game against Gold Coast unless people just thought oh well it's you know it's a local derby it's round one will go yeah uh, and then they've gone oh I'm not going to be fleeced again I don't know but there's there's a big question mark I mean if it, you know if it goes down gradually by a thousand or two each game you're thinking okay there's a trend there but 13,000 fans over the space of six weeks. I mean, that's just incredible. It'll be interesting to see what effect it has when the Broncos go out of the, uh, of the NRL because, obviously, you know, there will be a crossover there and they are, they've got a home semi on, is it Saturday night? I think we're making excuses, though, in all honesty. I think we've been doing this for five years, you know. Oh, it'll be okay when. Mm. It'll be okay after that. Oh, we were up against this. I think it's time that we stood on our own two feet and said, look, you know, the crowds, we need to do something about it, whatever it is. And, you know, we're not marketing men, are we? But... Well, I don't know, you might be cool. <laughs> yeah, the way I market myself, you can just tell. <laughs> it's slick and smooth. <laughs> I mean, certainly one of the first rules of economics, Martin, is if supply goes up, generally prices come down, not mm. up. You know, yeah. And supply has gone up in the football market in Queensland, and prices have gone up. Bit of, bit of Keynesian economics from Jacko. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a man of many talents. <laughs> Where's the publisher? I, whereas you can't even add up the number of guns That's true. in the Pricey, la- price elasticity, <laughs> rules of supply and demand. There we go. Well, moving on to uh, the game on Saturday. Sydney FC against North Queensland. It was a big lot of hype. God against Aloisi, and it certainly pulled the crowd in. Talk about marketing. I mean, how much did we see on that game? It seemed yeah. to be every, every pub winning. They were advertising it for weeks ahead. So. Yeah. But it seemed to work. It got a big crowd there, and uh, a bit of Robbie Fowler magic, Trev, to, to seal the game for seal the first win for Fury. Uh, the lad I was sitting next to at the Sydney game summed up quite well. He said, I don't, I don't think I've enjoyed a, an away goal as much as I just enjoyed that. And it, it was that, wasn't it? You couldn't help but sit back and just appreciate that that player was playing in the A League. 
wearing a Liverpool shirt. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> no, no, he's, a, he's, he's an Australian. I was speaking to an Australian oh. and um, a Sydney fan. But, yeah, I mean, disappointing result for Sydney. Didn't see that coming, but love that goal. He was a class above, wasn't he, Robbie Fowler? Just everything he did in the game. Yeah, he was. It was pretty... Crap game again. I yeah. thought. I mean, although. I'll Do you think going. so? Yeah, I, I did. I thought it was pretty uninspiring. I just thought Sydney were pretty uninspiring. Yeah, they were. Think. But I thought Fury were terrific. Yeah, I thought Fury. I'm probably talking as someone who was stood in the cove watching it as a Sydney FC sort of surprise. You remember it? Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> but well, it was just a weird atmosphere because it was just weird seeing so many people wearing shirts of a team that was that weren't playing. And, but that was how Sydney had marketed it. Sydney had marketed it as Sydney FC versus Liverpool legend Robbie Fowler. So mm. they can't really complain when. There's Liverpool shirts everywhere. It was just, I think it just created a sort of odd atmosphere. But what was interesting was, you know, was the more Sydney FC changes, the more they seem to stay the same. And they seem to have hit this sort of rut again where they're looking a bit devoid of ideas and they've lost a cu- they'll lose a couple of key players for a month now going to the under-20s. And, you know, there's talk in the, in the press today about him dropping Aloisi and... Corica for the weekend, you know, and so have we really progressed from last season yeah. when, you know, John Aloisi is on the fringes of the team again as a marquee player on a big salary and he's not performing. You know? I, th- I think that's a bit harsh on Aloisi to be honest because he didn't get any service on, yeah, on no, Saturday. Uh, now, Steve Corica, I, I think Steve's been a fabulous player, I really do, but I, I don't think he's the answer for Sydney. Uh, he's 36. You know, he's not getting any younger. None of us are. Um, and that middle of the park area, as you put it, is not right for Sydney. Yeah. And you've got Stuart Michalik, who's sat, you know, scratching his bum on the sidelines all season. Now, why he's not playing, I don't Maybe he's completely out of form. Maybe he's upset the coach. I don't know. Or the alternative is, why don't you shift Simon Colosimo into midfield? I mean, Shimmer can play that role, and he's a terrific passer of the ball. He's been great this season as well, hasn't he? He has, and I know yeah. he's been good at the back. And, that you know, obviously, if you shift him up, then you create a gap further back but uh, you know that would be something I'd be looking at but I mean just on the you know the event itself I thought it was I thought there were two things about the, the you know the crowd A it was a good crowd you know nearly 17,000 terrific but the um, it was both pleasing and disappointing for me to see that A it's great that there's lots of football fans who are out there who will come and watch football if it's right that's a good thing but the disappointing thing is is that you had as you said Jacko 300 people behind one goal wearing red shirts and not blue or green and white ones and the you know the big query is will they be back to watch other A-league games or are they you know just Euro snobs who will only turn up when there's a big star in town and you know we saw that with David Beckham 80,000 people turned up to watch David Beckham but where are they um so it's it's a conundrum that the FFA have to you know try and solve Mm. Well, moving on, we've got two more games to have a look at very quickly. Melbourne victory against uh, Phoenix, which was a, a one-all draw. Uh, worst start of the season for ever for Melbourne victory. Um, they just don't seem to be uh, clicking. Well, it's a pitch, isn't it? Apparently so. <laughs> um, Not watered, is, it? is that is that the argument? It's got the sprinklers on there. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, he's got a point, Ernie. It's, it's not a great surface at, at uh, gee, I was going to call it Telstra Dome, then Etihad Stadium. Um, but it was the same for both teams. I, I don't see how that... And he, to be fair to him, he did say that it wasn't an excuse. Uh, but they just had a, a, an awful start to the season, haven't they? And not just in terms of results, but you know, losing Muskie so early was, was a big blow for them. They've lost Billy Seleski, and now Danny Olsop's disappeared as well. And it, it's funny, isn't it, how a, a successful team can very quickly be um, transmogrified. Into a, yeah. Good word. Into that's why he's on. <laughs> that's, that's why he's you know. yeah, reaching for dictionary.com on his iPhone. I can't spell it. Um, <laughs> how it can change into you know a team that's all of a sudden a bit ragtag, and I'm not I'm not calling them a poor side. They're not at all, but they've got problems in in key areas that they have to try and resolve. And uh, you know, I thought Robbie Cruz was a good signing. You know, once yeah. he settles in, that'll yeah. be uh, that'll be good. And I, I, think I, that's I, I see that need someone else up front other than him. I don't think he's going to be the answer. I I think you know they should perhaps look to you know go the League One route from England. We've seen a few players go over. I mean that that was all sorts of background. Smelts has come over and done well. You know Porter, um, God, that'll be Greenacre. So, but so I, just... I think I'll miss Olsop. I think I know Olsop was a bit of a scapegoat with the fans, but I think he was one of those players that whilst he didn't get the headlines that an Archie Thompson did because he didn't score the grand final goals. You look back, he scored a lot of the. Crit- 
from there. He got 13 last season, wasn't he? So including finals football, I think he was the top scorer. And I think, you know, a lot of those fans that have berated him, I think we'll see what Holy leaves soon. We're doing Wellington a disservice because they're actually playing some good football and they they, they seem to be playing, they seem to play well in that game. Yeah, they Uh, did. Great kit as well. I love their kit. That was a really... And and they've got two lads up front who are exactly that sort of calibre that we're talking about. Paul Eiffel, I think, has been been a fantastic signing. You know, he looks hungry, looks up for it, wants to play. And green at Akris. And Leo Bertos has been terrific. But, you know, just on the the League One thing, never mind the League One players, the solution is there on Victory's doorstep in a few weeks, and that's Mark Baduka. Get him on a guest stint, or if Archie Thompson is, uh, as we're led to believe, interesting clubs from the Middle East, well, there's a big decision to make there. You know, do you you cash in on Archie and get Mark Baduka? Now, for me, Mark Baduka would bring the crowds back to Melbourne, and he would give that whole club a, a massive lift, give the whole league a massive lift you know, as Robbie Fowler has done, and Jason Kalina to be fair, so uh, I think that's a potential solution, I think they're talking to him aren't they? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's well, Jeff Lord said that they're, they're, they're exploring how he could become involved and I'm not sure what that means, because they, they made him like their ambassador, didn't they, international yeah. ambassador three years ago or whatever, so I think it'd be great, so it's just whether I guess it's just how important money is to him now. You know, has he got enough? Probably. I'm not sure it is the money. I mean, even if they put him on a marquee wage, it's going to be nothing to what he was getting paid in Europe. It's whether he still wants to play football, and that's, mm. the, that's the big unknown, isn't it? Nobody knows if he mm. still wants to play. Sure. Um, just a final thing on, on Wellington. Next month's a big month for them. I'm right in saying that the All-Whites have got their... Bahrain playoff yep, yep. so that's big and they've also got um, Gold Coast twice in the A-League so next month could make or break them or from break. the Gulf Coast to the Gold Coast on the guest stints uh, it sounds like there's a lot of people investigating this at the moment we've heard rumours of Figo Sydney are looking at a guest player um, Queensland Roar apparently close Queensland to announce Brisbane Raw, sorry, <laughs> are close to announcing a guest player and now Melbourne looking at Viduka. I mean, that's something that I don't think clubs have taken advantage of probably as much as they, they could. Now, is it outside the salary cap? Yeah, I think player? so. It's, yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. it's a seven or eight, eight week yeah. Uh, yeah. deal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Simon, our producer's head's about to explode on the longest ever segment of the podcast, so we're going to wind this one up. We're going to come back after the break, look at the uh, last game of round five, and have a look at some of the news from uh, the week in football from our website. So join us then. Score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker. It's the football quiz for the football know-it-all. QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months. Complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize, a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take your seats at the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the Grand Final. Each month, you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes, including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union movie gift cards, and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, Tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick, as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Welcome back to the Insider Podcast. And uh, if you're, you're still awake after that first massive section, we've still good got... Stuff, though. It was great stuff. Yeah. And we've still got one game to go before we get into the news. And that was the final game of round five. Perth Glory against Gold Coast ended in a two-all draw. Uh, Perth went out to a great start, but Gold Coast managed to peg it back. Dave Mitchell must be pulling his hair out 
you know the amount of late goals they can see I know Miron had a little quip about it being their fitness but I don't think it, I don't think it is I think it's just more concentration they just mm. seem to switch off at key moments and it must be so frustrating as a coach when you get into a position like that to win the game and you know Perth have had a solid sort of start and that was a real chance for them to then kick on and and they, they, they would come away from that feeling like it was a defeat when you know they outplayed them for the first half but Shane Smeltz man on the spot again yeah you know, He's one player that you just can't, even in the ninety second minute, whenever it was, just give him an inch because he'll just finish it. So. I, I think you, we're getting to the stage where we're looking at Gold Coast as potential champions. Um, that's the sort of result that champions pull out the bag when they don't play particularly well. Uh, and they weren't great against Perth Claw. It wasn't their best performance of the season, but they still managed to get a point out of it. And uh, that's what champion teams we do. We look at Chelsea in the Premier League, what they've already won two games in the 94th minute. You know. yeah. yeah, I think Perth carry on looking like a completely different team at home, They're not travelling yeah. quite so well. Um, and I think they're going to be disappointed to you know be going in at half-time, two up at home, and then throwing it away in the last minute. Gold Coast, if there's a chink in the armour, it's going to be their, their defence. They looked a bit shaky for both goals. The, 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 the two balls, at least for the first goal anyway, should have been cleared. That, that The ball in from Stuart. Joski. Yeah, there's, um, there's a question mark against them in that regard, uh, particularly the, the system that uh, Miron plays with the, the fullbacks that push on. Well, he doesn't even call them fullbacks, does he? It's 2 4 2 2, according to Miron. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a question mark there, but I just think they're so good going forward. And obviously, they're not going to fire every week in that regard. But Kalina, Smeltz, Joel Porter when he's back, Taj Minicon. I mean, is, is there a better, with Robson coming in from behind, is, is there a better forward line than that anywhere in the I don't think so. Well, look, we're going to move on to some of the news from our website this week. au.442.com is the URL. I don't know what that means, URL, but um, do you know that, Andy? What does URL mean? Unique Resource Locator. Oh, you are the man. That's why you paid the big bucks. (laughs) You've got to get out more. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty certain that's what it is. There we go. Uh, Well, the first story, uh, and we've touched on it in the the first part, is uh, Victory exploring the Viduka options. And we have talked a little bit about uh, the options that are available to Victory. But I suppose one thing that we didn't mention is the... Victory want to move quickly on Viduka if they want to get him because obviously Melbourne Heart uh, could be looking for a, a big name to sign for, for their, their team when they start. Well, I think, that, I think they've got to get a coach sorted out first. Uh, I think Hank Van Stey was almost over the line and he's changed his mind. Mm. Um, so I think they'll probably want a coach. For, I mean, you shouldn't really be signing players before you get a coach. <laughs> um, but uh, the other club I've heard that are po- perhaps in the market for him is Adelaide United, which would be very interesting. Oh, stir it up a bit uh, wouldn't it? it just um, but you know they, they've not got a marquee player which Melbourne have at the moment um, I suppose the only uh, difference is is that Melbourne you know have Jeff Lord that they're a pretty stable club whereas Adelaide are um, well, I don't know what we term it in administration at the moment is it with, with the FFA but you know if the FFA are bankrolling it well why, why wouldn't he go to Adelaide? He's Melbourne boy, though, isn't he, really? But the other stumbling block Melbourne. would be guest, a guest stint of eight weeks would be twice as many games as he's ever played in a season for the last oh. five years, wouldn't it? Well, seven's about right yeah, for him, isn't it? I think it's quite interesting that some of the readers' comments in that story, like the Victory fans saying that you know they're not that happy of Archie Thompson as a marquee or he's not a marquee-type player. And I think Robbie Fowler's come in and changed that perception a little bit because he's been such an exciting sign and exactly the sort of person that perhaps should be a marquee. That's but, very harsh on Archie I think no, no I, I, I'm not having a go at Archie or anything but this is what the you know, yeah. victory fans are saying at the bottom but you know he's earned that right and he scores on a regular basis and he'd probably play more football but because you know there's that marquee status and the fans want someone who's going to you know, perhaps excite them and they've seen what Archie can do they're now kind of saying well wouldn't it be great if we could get someone like a Duker or someone else to, to bring some of the crowds back the wow factor mm. back to that whole definition of what is a marquee player you know when, because a lot of the clubs have used the marquee system to allow them to keep Australian players here, which isn't really my definition of what a marquee no, signing should be. You know, a marquee signing is Robbie Fowler, Dwight York, not Craig Moore or Archie Thompson. And I think that potentially there is, you know, we were just talking about it off air, that we need to have maybe two or even three marquee positions, one for a local marquee, one for a younger marquee, and one for an international marquee. You know, for me, the definition of a marquee player is they put, like Robbie Fowler on Saturday night, puts bums on seats not just at home but when they play away 
that's the key is that the marquee players and if all the clubs embrace the system then they should all benefit hmm. because there will be nine international calibre players that will put crowds on their home gates as well as the away gates so. yeah well, then maybe that, that is the solution that we were talking about for crowds uh, earlier on. Still on Melbourne Victory, another news story on the website this week is uh, Ernie Merrick saying that we need Kevin Musker, that is the principal reason why Victory are playing so poorly. But do we think it's as simple as that? I mean, they've lost their spine, haven't they, with uh, Seleski, Musker and Allsop uh, leaving or being injured. Um, is it as simple as Kevin Musker or is it something bigger? I think it's an excuse, really, that. I mean, it's, there's no doubt that Musket is really important to them as an organiser. But I was reading Roddy Vargas's comments uh, in the press a day or so ago where he was saying, you know, we can't keep using Muskie as the excuse when he's not there. We have to stand up together as a team. We're experienced enough not to, you know, constantly rely on Muskie to cajole us into playing well or to lead us on the park. And let's be honest, how old is Muskie now? 35, 36? Same as Steve Corica. How much longer has he got as a player? If next season and he's not playing, does that mean that victory are out of the six? Um, you know, some of these players have got to take the responsibility and it, it seems to me at the moment that Melbourne are, are looking for those reasons, you know, it's Kevin Musket, it's the pitch, it's Billy Seleski, it's Danny Allsop. Well, it's not. It's the fact that unfortunately Melbourne are just not playing well enough at the moment. I think we've got so, you know, he's such an important player and I mean, last season he started every single game, you know, when they cleared up but you have to go back to the unsuccessful 07-08 season when he missed games he missed four games there and they lost three of them and they only lost six all season you know when he was in the team they lost 17% of games when he was out they lost they lost 75% of their games so you know is this why you were late for the Star City sports fair launch last night or was that something different no I was working on this Um, so so yeah I mean you know that's just a, a, a quick stat for you, but they, they've obviously built their team, you know, p- predominantly around him. And why wouldn't you? Because he's that sort of player, um, and I do think they're missing him. Yeah. Well, we said as soon as he got injured, we said someone else is going to have to step up and lead that team, and no one has. You know, from the keeper to, to, to Vargas, no one is taking control of that team on the pitch, mm. and that's the danger: is that Muscat's filled this sort of Paul Ince type governor role from day one, and he's still going to be coming back. So it's almost like, okay, well, there's, there's, you know, no one's really stood up and taken that mantle, and I think that, that you know they need to prepare, as you say, for when he's not going to be there, which is probably going to be next season. Um, but then he's going to be a coach. So he, he almost needs to identify his successor and work with them, I think. Does, does that tell us something about the younger generation of Aussie players? Because if you look at you know, teams, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Craig Moore, Steve Corica, Kevin Musket, and we know that they're leaders, they're great players, and they're, you know, they're, they're focal points of their team, or certainly have been. But when they're not there, it seems that it, it's a bit of a house of cards and it, it all tends to collapse a bit. Is that because the younger guys are, uh, are frightened of taking that responsibility? Is it a deeper issue than football? Is Gen Y producing any leaders? Ooh. Discuss. Join, join us in part three when we uh, go deeper. <laughs> this is... Uh, we'll be stroking no, our you look, look around. Look around at the young generation of players coming through. And are there any natural leaders coming through? And, you know, you look at the wider market, people in work, you know, the younger generation currently. Are there any people that are really grabbing things by the scuff of the neck and going, right, I'm the boss? Mm. Okay, you kids, know, get out there. Anyone. Get out there, kids. Well, talking about kids and young leaders, a fantastic segue into the young Socceroos starting their uh, under-20 World Cup uh, campaign on Monday. And Mark Bosnich, uh, the golden child of Australia's famed 1991 Young Socceroos campaign, has uh, given them a message, don't go out there and make up the numbers, go out there to win. Well, there you go. Take responsibility. Seize the moment. And and I do think some of those young players... Look, I'm going to give an example. I'm not trying to pick on him specifically, but Mark Bridge is, is a player to me that has everything that you need to be a modern footballer. He's, he knows where the goal is. He's got great skill. He can play several positions. But his, his career really hasn't kicked on since joining Sydney from Newcastle. We all thought he was going to be a big star for Sydney. He went over to China and you know didn't like the food, wasn't too keen on it over there. And to me, that was, he's not really grabbed his career in the 
way you should do. And I know he's a bit older than this young Socceroo uh, squad that's going over to e- Egypt for the World Championships. But again, is that the, as you were talking about before, Jacko, the Generation Y conundrum that they don't really want to grab that responsibility? And, you know, before you know it, half your career's gone. Alex Brosk is another one. Great player. He's got every attribute you need to be a top footballer. He's been over in Europe with Feyenoord and Vestelo in Belgium, but has never really kicked his career onto that next level in the same way that the previous generation, like Bosnich, like Musket, like Corica, all did. They had that, I don't know what it is, that certain something that allowed them to be successful top-level footballers. And I'm not sure some of these next generation have got it. I don't know well, why. Is the, A-League the desire. Easy, is the A-League the easy route? When you had to make it in Europe, when there wasn't you know, the, the league going on or you know, like the NSL probably wasn't something to aspire to for a lot of people, were, you know, had to have that drive and desire to go overseas. Now but it, it should be a better first step because the profile is... They're having to deal with things in the A-League that a lot of European players have to deal with, particularly the media pressure. I know a lot of them don't like it, but you, you think back five or six years to the old NSL and how much you know, more pressure these guys are under these days because the game is under the spotlight. So it's a better platform to move on to the next level, but for some of them it, it hasn't. And you can't have it just sort of Europe or nothing. You know, the A-League is, is critical as being that sort of stepping stone. And for some players, it will be the be-all and end-all. And that's, that's what the A-League needs to be, is that breeding ground for the, for the elite players to then go off, but also be, a, be a, a professional sort of career in its own right for players that may not go overseas, you know, which, which has never really been there before. I think if you look at, sorry, um, but if you look at Scott Jamison, you know, he went to Bolton. He didn't get any games there. He came back to the A-League, played really, really well for Adelaide, you know, Club World Cup and what have you, and I think you know he, he's a great advert for the A League getting to nurture our young players. But I think the thing is, you just need to look at to to, to be the next Cahill or, or Kuehl or whatever, which has ultimately got to be these guys' aims. You know, age is not a barrier to being a leader. You know, you look at Wayne Rooney; he was bossing players around in the Everton first team at, at 16 and yeah. 17. You know, Gerard the same at Liverpool. You know, and that's what I'm I'm going to be most interested to look at the. the the under-20 World Cup team and to see who's the next players coming who are going to take the game by the scruff of the neck. I'll tell you what, talking of Rooney, that's, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that's the guy who I think has got the potential to, to do it and that's Sean Rooney. I think he's yeah. terrific yeah. and he, he's got the goal scorer's instinct that uh, a striker at the top level needs and I think he's got the potential if he's, everything else is right to, to kick on. They're in the group of death. They're facing Brazil... Uh, 2007 runners-up Czech Republic and the CONCACAF champions Costa Rica. So it's, That's it's tough, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. not an easy group, but um, you know, if they can if they can do well, it'll be some great experience, as we said, for some of the younger players to. Uh, test themselves against the very best well that's all the all the time we've got for in this segment join us after the break where we uh, grill Simon Hill about his uh, long and illustrious Hill. career and uh, some other stuff so join us after the break score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker it's the football quiz for the football know-it-all QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize, a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take your seat to the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the Grand Final. Each month you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union movie gift cards and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head 
to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Hi, I'm Archie Thompson of the Melbourne Victory and you're listening to the 444 Podcast. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. We're into the second half now and uh, we're going to grill our special guest, Simon Hill. Thanks for coming in. Welcome. And uh, first question, and, and I hope your memory can go back this far, your first footballing memory, Simon. What... Um, <clears throat> first football in memory was uh, was going to see Man City against Ipswich, which was my first ever football game, and I think it was April 1973, which is uh, a different generation ago now. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really understand football. My dad, who's been a City fan for 60-odd years and still goes every week, uh, decided it was time I went. I think I was only about five or six. Uh, and I spent the whole of the game playing with my toy cars on the wooden benches on, on the Platte Lane stand behind the goal. Uh, and thought that the team started again at half-time. Um, so that was how much I knew about football. But for some reason, I think my dad bought me a, a, a rosette on the way out. Remember the old rosettes and the yeah, souvenir yeah. shops? Uh, and because uh, this is the one thing that really always attracted me about City, and obviously I didn't have much of a choice with all my family being blues anyway, uh, but was the colours, you know, sky blue shirts, and I just thought they were fantastic. So... Uh, that was it. I was hooked and, uh, yeah. That was Appreciated t- the art of the rosette. Is that, I was just thinking that was ten years before I was born, that first football Thanks, memory. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, for maybe people who, uh, who don't know, tell us how you ended up in Australia and what your career was uh, beforehand in the UK. Um, well, I've, I've been in Australia for six years. I, uh, I was a sports journalist and football commentator for the BBC for a long time in the UK. Uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, BBC Television. I even appeared on Match of the Day once with, uh, with Gary Lineker, which is my point to fame. And then I had, uh, in 2001, I, I went over to ITV to work for the new ITV Sport Channel. Um, and unfortunately, that channel uh, lasted about 12 months before it went bust. Um, so I then freelanced for about six months or so, and I had a mate of mine um, who worked at SBS Radio, and he's now living up in Brisbane, uh, who was on at me the whole time. Why don't you come over here? Why don't you come over here? And I said, yeah, 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 get me a job. I'm not coming over as a backpacker. I'm 35. So uh, he said, send me a tape. So I did. Um, that went into SBS, and to my absolute astonishment, a couple of months later, I got an email from them saying, we'd like to offer you a job. So I was a bit gobsmacked, but uh, I thought, well, what the hell? I may as well go for it. So I did. And happy memories of, uh, of SBS when you... I mean, obviously, the, the, the one thing that you'll always be remembered for is the, the commentary again in the Euro, Uruguay game. Well, I don't know whether it's me who'll be remembered for that. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that was a, that was a terrific moment. And uh, obviously, at the time, you, d- you don't realise what a seminal moment that, that was, really. It was just a big game at the time. And... Uh, um, I think that's one of my favourite memories because that's where it all changed, really, that night for Australian football. You know, up until then, it had been uh, just something that existed on the periphery, and all of a sudden, it was an explosion of interest. Um, the World Cup, the A-League, you know, all the, the stars like Cale and Bresciano and Viduca, they were all, all of a sudden, household names in demand, and, mm. you know... All of us who worked in football, our workload went up <laughs> in triplicate, I think. So, yeah, it was, it was terrific. But to be honest, my favourite one was the, was the leg in Uruguay because that was just such a fantastic occasion at the Centenario. Yeah. Uh, 60,000 Uruguayans baying for Aussie blood two hours before kickoff, and I've never been in an atmosphere like it. It was tremendous. It was just pure and utter hatred. How did, it compare it. With, with, <laughs> how did it compare with the return leg? Because I, I don't think there's ever been an Aussie crowd like that no, before and, or since. And you know, that was the great thing. I know the Aussie fans got um, a lot of stick for booing the Euro, but the Uruguayans did exactly the same to the Australians in Montevideo. And that was the moment you thought, oh, this could be a bit tastier because the Aussie fans know what's at stake and they know... I'm not saying it's the correct way to behave, but they knew how they had to respond. It was about passion and being the 12th man in the stands, and they were that night. And it was just, it was one of those games, you know, where the hairs on the, we were all there, hairs on the back of your neck stood yeah. up on end. It was terrific. 
So tell us a little bit about your, your typical week. Obviously, we, we see and hear you for, for a small amount of time on, on the TV during the games, but obviously a lot of work must go into preparation. And So t- tell us a little bit about what happens behind the scenes at, at Fox Sports. Uh, well, at the moment, it's pretty much a seven-day-a-week occupation. Um, Obviously, you know the games. Look, my my normal working week is uh, on a Monday. I will start preparing uh, for Fox Sports FC on Tuesday night. So that normally involves liaising with producers and sourcing material, doing research. <coughs> Excuse me. You're listening to this. <laughs> uh, <coughs> then on Tuesday, of course, we have the show. So that sort of pretty much takes care of Tuesday. Um, and on Wednesday, normally I have two games at the weekend. Normally a Friday and a Saturday or a Friday and a Sunday. So by Wednesday, I'm into my research for the first of those games. Thursday, I'll start researching the second game. Friday, I'll do the game. Saturday, it's the second one. Sunday, we're normally travelling back or you know, maybe it's even a third game and that has happened already this season. So, so where are you researching? Because obviously, you are the guys who are providing everyone else with the information. I mean, yep. I know that we are as well with what we do on the website and yep. everything, but you know, when you are the principal provider of the information, where are you getting all your... Uh, research from? Well look, a lot of it is the internet Um, you know, stats and stuff and and research into players' backgrounds a lot of it comes from the internet but also you talk to the coaches Uh, occasionally you talk to the players Uh, if you're very lucky you might get to go to a training session, that's particularly the case with the internationals. Uh, When Australia plays, for example, a team like Oman, you want to go down to a training session and you want to see the players because A, you've got to get the right, you might get a bit of information as to how they line up in terms of Formation or how what they look playing like, and what they look like. So there's there's a lot of things. Um, I mean, we certainly do that for internationals. It's a bit more difficult for the A League because it's uh, you know it's so relentless. You, obviously, you can't go to a Perth Glory training session when you live in Sydney. So um, it, it's a bit more difficult. And obviously, you're more familiar with those players. You see them every week. You know a lot more about them. And a lot of it is just repetition and updating of your uh, you know your facts and your your knowledge of the players. But uh, it, it's pretty full on. When, you, when you've got a big game, something I've always wondered, so like, like, let's say Fowler on Saturday night, do you run through, if he scores, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say, or this would be a good line, or this, and then you've sort of got a bank waiting, and then there it is, or is it yeah. spur of the moment? On? No, no, look, sometimes it's spur of the moment, but uh, a lot of the time you do think of you know, a line or two that might work here and there, but it's, it's so difficult to 100% prepare because... You know, you might have a line that about Robbie Fowler that's you know really relates to him scoring a screamer from two yards. His goal might be a penalty or yeah. a tap in from two yards. So <clears throat> that's the beauty of football is you can't predict it. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's sometimes handy to have a few lines in your head. And I think if uh, if commentators say that they everything comes off the top of the head in the spur of the moment, I think they're liars. Of course you think about it. That's part of the, the entertainment and the drama of, of live television. You know, you want to make it exciting and hopefully interesting for the viewer. It doesn't always succeed, but... On the, also, on the TV side of things, the, the, you know, a lot of the football coverage in Australia is quite sort of what I call analytical. And as we know, a, a big part of the game, which comes across in this, is the comedy. Um, or the, the more sort of <laughs> Where? the relaxed yeah. side of the game. Chilled out for me, um, that's us. Do you think that's something that's missing from the TV coverage at the moment? You know, obviously in the UK there's, there's programmes like Soccer AM, there's been programmes like Fantasy Football. Is that the next stage for us TV-wise? Uh, well, I have to say, I think we're, we're getting there. Certainly with Hyundai Match Day Saturday that's just started this yeah. season, that's uh, got a, a much more relaxed feel about it. Obviously, there's a lot more time as well, which is a key element. When you've not got a lot of time, you, you can't really be uh, you know, putting on the red nose and the floppy feet. Uh, but certainly Hyundai Match Day Saturday has gone more down that road. And I do think there's a, there's a part of our game that needs to take itself a bit less seriously. But again, I think you have to look at the football programmes in context of the sport over the last 20 years it's been so marginalized uh, and so 
badly treated in some ways that the people who were presenting it and, and doing the coverage uh, wanted to give it the, the seriousness and the gravitas that they probably felt it, it deserved. Yeah. And that's completely understandable. And there are a lot of serious issues in the game here that need to be addressed, perhaps more so than in Europe and in England, where the game is a lot more established. So I think that's probably the reason. But you're right. We do need to have a bit more fun. Uh, we need to start lightening up and, you know, hopefully we're, we're moving down that road. Talking about um, the game being marginalised, you've been pretty vocal in your columns, both on Fox Sports and in, in 442. <laughs> Aussie media's treatment of the game, uh, do you ever see that going away? Well, it's not all the Aussie media. In fact, the, you know, the media coverage of the game now, I think, is, is fantastic. It's a lot better than it used to be when I first arrived. Uh, my issue is still with uh, those people who, who write about football who have no interest in it or have an interest in seeing it fail. Uh, now, for example, you know, I, I would never, <coughs> well, rarely, write anything about rugby league or AFL. And the only time that I do, I have a pop at it because I, I, I want them to have a taste of their own medicine and what it feels like to have somebody who has no idea about their game criticising it. And that's my issue with them. There are, there are still people that exist in the Australian media who see fit to write columns about football who I never see at a game or a training session or a press conference and I've no interest in football other than to see it fail. Uh, and they continue on occasion to write pieces about football that have no basis in fact. Now, I'm not saying football's beyond criticism. It's not by any means. But if it's going to be criticised or lampooned or whatever, then if you don't mind, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Because we're the football people. And I think that's what annoys a lot of football fans as well. So, obviously a Man City fan from your time in England, but if you've got a soft spot for an A-League team, would you say you support any of the A-League no, I don't think you can really as a, as a commentator working on the competition. Um, obviously, look, my local club is Sydney because I live in Sydney. Um, I suppose you could say I've got a soft spot for the Mariners because I've known Laurie a long time. I've known a couple of the players a long time. But do I support any A-League team? No, it's, it's not possible. Sure, OK. I wanted to ask about your rock band as well. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, because you're on the sticks there. Are you a sort of a Dave Grohl or a Phil Collins? Uh, I'd love to be a Neil Peart, if you've ever heard of Neil Peart, uh, the drummer in Rush, who is my absolute idol. <laughs> Rush, that's a blast. Oh, there you go. That's, that's showing my age. But uh, he, he is the doyen of drummers. But uh, unfortunately, I'm nowhere near as good as him. I'd love to be. I heard you play like the one from Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, he's, yeah, he's, he's better with me. one. Back on the Man City um, Initial reaction aside Which is it's fantastic What do you think about what's going on there at the moment Because you like most other Non-Chelsea fans must have looked From time to time at what Abramovich was doing And gone that's, that's awful It's bad for the game but then all of a sudden Oh it's my club Is it alright now or do you look at it and think Hmm Look, there's a bit of both. Um, obviously, it's exciting because we've been crap for 30 years and longer. Um, and all of a sudden, we're in with a chance, which is fantastic for us. There, there is a part of me that sort of laments the, the passing of, you know, the old, unpredictable, dear old city. But I think, you know, people have complained for a long time now about the top four being a closed shop. Um, and the Premier League being boring. Well, all of a sudden, it's not. And it's not just City either. It's Tottenham, it's Villa. You know, Villa have spent more than Liverpool and Man United this summer. Yeah, I'm so, just gutted because we finally got a billionaire <laughs> just when a billionaire isn't enough. <laughs> but, but at least the, those clubs, like City and Villa and Tottenham, are trying to compete. Now... You know, the, the, for the first time in possibly 10 years, the top four isn't a close shop. And I do think that makes it more interesting. Is it going about it the right way? Well, probably not. But what's the alternative? You know, these clubs in the top four have become hugely rich, partially on the back of qualification for the Champions League. And that's UEFA's fault, not the Premier League, because they get untold riches from playing every year in the, in the uh, Champions League. So the clubs below, as Leeds did a few years ago, have only one way to try and compete with that and that's by spending oodles of cash and if you think it's just the Premier League that's a closed shop well look at Serie A who wins that every year Juventus AC Milan Inter every season Spain Barcelona Real Madrid it's exactly the same in every Western European league and at least England is attempting to change you might not agree with the method but at least this season it's 
a bit more competitive. Great stuff there. Thank you for uh, offering a window on your soul, Simon, for that, <laughs> no uh, for that segment, for this one. But uh, join us after the break where we'll be looking at all the games on the weekend of action in the Hyundai A-League. Score a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final with QBE Quiz Striker. It's the football quiz for the football know-it-all. QBE has launched an online football knowledge quiz that will run over the next five months. Complete all five monthly quizzes to the best of your ability and you'll go into the draw to win the major prize, a trip to the Hyundai A-League Grand Final. The winner and a guest will stay in a four-star hotel in the city of the Grand Final with daily buffet breakfast for two before you take your seat to the big game. This prize includes return flights to a maximum of $2,000 if you live outside the state of the Grand Final. Each month you'll also have the chance to win some great prizes including Hyundai A-League tickets, Greater Union movie gift cards and QBE insurance vouchers. Visit www.qbequizstriker.com.au or click on the ads on the 442 website. The Socceroos have done their bit. Now it's time to do yours. Enjoy the ultimate 2010 FIFA World Cup experience with the Green and Gold Army on tour in South Africa. Known for their passion and pride in supporting the Socceroos around the globe, the Green and Gold Army's authorised travel packages will take you to the heart of Australia's support in South Africa. The Green and Gold Army's packages include tickets to all three Australian group stage games, tickets to four additional World Cup group stage games, all transfers to and from games, and safe, secure accommodation in Johannesburg, just a goal kick down the road from the Socceroos base. Head to www.ggarmyontour.com or call 1300 300 756 for more information on Australian football's once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you'd better be quick, as numbers are strictly limited and places are going fast. Back to 442 Insider. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast and we're into the home stretch. This segment we're going to be looking at all the games in round seven. And the first game, grand final rematch on Friday, 7.30 local time, 8pm Sydney. It's Adelaide United versus Melbourne Victory at Hindmarsh. And if if I get this wrong, please forgive me, but I don't think a team has ever... A losing team from the grand final has never been able to avenge that defeat in their next meeting. So Adelaide will be looking to, to buck that trend. Simon, use that one if you want. Um, I will. Free. Mm, Thanks, Mike. You'll probably get it out a little bit better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> that, should, be, should be a good game. They, they haven't actually beaten Melbourne in nearly two years, Adelaide. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think this has the potential to be the game of the weekend. Um, they're always... You know, very intense clashes, and Kevin Muscat is apparently back this weekend, so that should give it a bit of uh, extra spice. Um, I don't He's know. Well liked in Adelaide. He, he is. They love him there, <laughs> uh, and he scored six goals against them, five of them from penalties. But uh, yeah, they're hoping for a full house at High Marsh. I think it'll be a cracker, and I'm going for a draw. They've, 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 they've called for it to be family atmosphere day, which generally means that if you call for that, people are just going to misbehave. Yeah. You know, it's like if you say, look, now, you know, please, we're going to have a no swearing chance game, <laughs> then everyone's going to swear in the chance. Yeah, so hopefully it works. But How do you see that one going, Andy? I think it'll be tight. I think Adelaide will probably never have a better chance of, of beating Melbourne at home, I think, because obviously Olsop's going to be out. That's going to take them a bit of a while. I think Fabiano will probably just slot straight in. Paul Reed's out, though, for Adelaide. That's a big miss yeah. for them. Yeah, because he runs everything in the centre. I'm just hoping Awusu uh, scores again because I want to see the uh, the robot stroke break dance, yeah. stroke flash dance again. <laughs> I want him to do the rope like Crouchy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this one's definitely a, a low scoring affair. I reckon a single goal could win it. Um, talking about Adelaide and, and their one nils, that's probably the result they'll be aiming for here. But I reckon it'll be a draw, even nil nil or one one all. Trevor going out on a limb there. Be free all now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to Saturday, uh, the only game of Saturday is Central Coast versus Gold Coast, the Battle of the Coasts. And, and I suppose it's worth noting that Laurie McKinna will be a hundred games in charge of the Mariners. So congrats to Laurie, Good great man. great servant to the A League and to to the Mariners. Uh, should be a should be a, a decent game, whether or not the Mariners have enough to to 
get up against the, the, the Gold Coast, obviously the form team of the leagues so far. Well, that's what we've been talking about in the first segment, isn't it? Whether the Mariners have enough, certainly in the midfield area, to supply their strikers. Uh, they'll have McGlinchey back this weekend, which uh, should help them. Um, but personally, I, I think the Gold Coast will probably have uh, a bit too much for them, even though I think they'll probably be without Joel Porter again, and he's, uh, he's a big miss for them. But they've got Milson to come in. He played last week and did OK, so I'm going for the Gold Coast. Your favourite player, Matt Simon? Yeah, I, th- I think we'll probably see the Mariners approach this like they would a, an away game. I think he'll, he'll set it be very tight, not give anything away and hope to nick something on the break. I think he'll have probably looked at how Newcastle got a result against Gold Coast, which was, which is along those lines where they, they had to defend really well. He'll, he'll have them well drilled from set pieces and I just think he'll try and nick a goal and then sit on it. Whether they've got the creativity to get that, I don't know, or whether they're strong enough at the back. Certainly their, their run in Asia showed that they are really susceptible to, to good quality ball into the box which I think Gold Coast will get from Kalina so I'm going to tip Gold Coast definitely I think they'll approach the game like you say in a similar way perhaps like in round one when they went to Melbourne and picked up you know the 2-0 result there I think they're going to do the same thing at home here but you know the Gold Coast team's got goals in them and I think if Gold Coast score early then that's going to be a real problem for Mariners to get back into the game so Gold Coast Triple header on Sunday, starting with Wellington Phoenix against North Queensland Fury over in the Westpac. Wellington, great, great home form, going for their ninth consecutive undefeated home game. They're a, they're a bit like Perth in the sense that they're a different team at home, aren't they, Trev? Yeah, I mean, we all like Wellington on the pod, don't we? Yeah, uh, Wellington fans. Exactly, we've got good a soft spot from, yep, good fans. <laughs> good Lo- coach. Love to nice sit. lads. Best eyebrows in, in football. Hey. Leo Bertos, fantastic. I love the... Love <laughs> you don't hear that very often, do you? Best eyebrows no, in football. But, but I think you should be should be in the shaping or the, it's the, it's the it's, composition? Yeah, it's the shaping. You've got, yeah, a, you got a bit of man love for Leo's brows. They're, they're sculpted so well. I think I'm waiting for the first A-League player to do the old uh, Aaron Lennon, the old <laughs> nicks in the yeah. eyebrows. That's when you know they've got... What, what got run into a cul-de-sac? Yeah. The, the vanilla ice. <laughs> but, but, yeah, back to, to Wellington. We, 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 we are big fans, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Obviously, Chris Greenacre, they've got one of the best footballers in the country there um, and Fury um, Fury will still be excited from that result last week so that's an interesting one Buffett Wellington will take the points there I think there'll be lots of goals in this one yeah. uh, because both teams are pretty decent going forward but uh, I I'm not sure they're too sturdy at the back so I'm going to go for a high scoring draw in this one like it Andy you've got any thoughts um, on this one not, not that it really hasn't been said I think yeah I think I think pretty susceptible at the back so I think there'll be goals in it I think I'm going to tip Wellington I think 3-2 there you go. good shout next one 3 o'clock Sydney FC against Newcastle Jets at the SFS Branco Kalina's yeah, return Branco returning yeah Which and uh, Sydney trying to uh, reverse uh, two straight losses, two straight losses. I mean, you know it shows how close things are when they can lose two games on the trot and still be second you know, that shows how tight the league is, that everyone's sort of beating everybody else. Um, but Sydney definitely need a win. And as, as we talked about earlier, I mean, Levitska's come out and said that he's looking at, you know, does he start with Aloisi and Corica this week? And my question would be, if he doesn't, who is he going to play? You know, and where are the goals and the creativity going to come from? Um, so I, I, I can remember, like, I took some neutrals to a Sydney FC Newcastle game in, in season two or then they've never been back well, they it, was a, it was a nil-nil draw and it was the worst game of football I've ever seen and I, tried to, <laughs> I tried to sell them the fact that it wasn't this bad every week but they've never believed me and didn't come back and I've got a feeling that this could be a, a, pretty, a pretty stalemate game I think um, and could even be nil-nil do we think obviously the, the under 20 World Cup's paying a, a price for, for some teams more than others do you think that Sydney will miss Danning more than uh, the Jets will miss Rooney? Well, it's not only Rooney, uh, it's not only Danning. I think Ryan Grant's Ryan away Grant for Sydney and also uh, Jason Hoffman yeah. is uh, away. So that's you know two strikers who've been playing pretty regularly for the Jets. But you know they've got Sasha Petrovsky and uh, Donny De Groot. 
So uh, it's time for the, the senior guys to, to stand up. Uh, look, I hope it's a good game. Um, Sydney fans, I think, at the moment are sort of on the precipice of teetering towards pessimism again after two straight defeats, and they need a good display, a good attacking display by their team. And, look, you know, the Jets can play good football, but I tend to think that under Branko Kalina, he seems to have learnt his lesson a bit from his stint at Sydney. You remember they used to play all this pretty pattern football, uh, 45 passes, and they were back on the halfway line. Um, and he seems to have been... Uh, he seems to have learned his lesson a wee bit and he's a bit more pragmatic with the Jets. Um, he sets his team out not only to play nice football but to get results yeah. uh, because he needs that. And I think it's interesting, what did he get? Nine points out of nine games at Sydney FC before he got the boot. I think he's... Uh, has he passed that already with the Jets? Or near enough? Mm. So, you know, that's, that's how much he's uh, changed. I think it's all very well having a... a, a a style of play that you'd like to achieve as a coach but if you just don't have the players then you, there's no point so you might as well work with what you've got and say well, well these are their limitations it, it's I need about to results Jack. it to, always to has been work. it's nice to watch teams playing good football but fans are the same the world over they want results and if you don't get them you're in trouble yeah. where's the smart money on this one Trev I'd like to see Sydney come out the blocks a little bit quicker like the home games I've seen so far the first half you know barely look like they've got going and then made more of an effort in the second half so I think they need to attack the Jets from the off um, draw energy draw. intensity yes all about yeah. that and the final game Brisbane Roar against Perth Glory at Suncorp 5 o'clock kickoff. and Perth are looking for their first against Brisbane stroke Queensland since season one September 2005 was the last time they beat them so it, do you know it's the great mystery as to why Perth don't perform on the road I think that their last win I think they beat Sydney actually 4-1 didn't they around yeah. 16 last year and they were terrific but for some reason I know it's a long flight from anywhere to you know from Perth we're boring you Paul are you alright <laughs> having a bit <laughs> of a yawn a long flight yourself <laughs> this is radio you're not meant to say these things you don't get away with anything with a long trip right. in from Ramway but that's uh, that's what Dave Mitchell has to you know work out how how to win on the road because the, the home form's not bad. So if they can start picking up points on the road as well, then uh, you know all the better for them. But I don't think they'll get anything on Sunday. Might in get a cup in of these tea. Days of sort of you know sports science and that is a five-hour flight that big a deal. I mean, yeah, if I they think did it, if they did it on the morning of the game, I could understand it, but they don't. You know. It's, well, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's maybe something completely different. It's psychological that they think yeah. that it's a factor. And, and, and then, then commentary is com- not as good when you're in Perth. Yeah, it's and true. then conversely, <laughs> away teams going to Perth think that it's going to be a factor and it, and it ends up being a factor. I don't know. It's going quite it, deep it, this week, it, it is. We've got we've got kids and leadership and flights. It's all. Happening. It's not just the football podcast anymore, is it? It's not. It's the all-encompassing podcast. How do you see it going, Trev? Do you, do you th- both both teams have got forward lines that seem to be clicking now don't they yeah but you know like I was saying earlier Perth so different away from home um, Brisbane just come off the back of a, another good away result so it's a strange fixture in that sense um, but I think Brisbane will pick up a, a home win narrow home win I'll say let's hope there's a good crowd there as well yeah. at Suncorp because the Broncos are playing the night before aren't yeah. they same stadium so uh, sold out already apparently yeah so I can't see it I don't think there'll be a good crowd there at all listening to some of the, the, the Brisbane fans on our forums they're not, they're not particularly hopeful unless they sign Figo this morning and announce that in which case that might put a few on the gate that'll do us yeah <laughs> we'll wait with bated breath on that one well that's all we've got time for this week in the 442 Insider podcast special thanks to producer Simon for twiddling with our knobs and um, don't forget you can listen to us on the interweb at au.442.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or I think that says uh, thanks for listening and don't forget to check in with us next week 442 Insider is is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.